Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Welcome to episode three of True to the Cougs, brought to you by Believe Network. My name is Jamie Vinnick. With me, my partner, Wazoo and Seahawk legend, Marcus Trufant. Marcus, how we doing? I'm doing well, my friend. Doing well. Doing well, man. I'm going to save it for the show, but I'm going to be smiling this whole show, man. It's going to be good. It's going to be good. Well, there's a lot of reasons to smile. Washington State's upset of Wisconsin. And just imagine being the big doofus who decided to pick a Coug loss. Raises I hand. wonder who did that. I Raises his hand that. as the big doofus who picked the Cougs to lose. We'll get into that a little bit in a minute, but wow, was I wrong. I know. I mean, I said, I think 30 to 13, I had a three score loss and nope, they're going to go ahead and win the game. But as you said, smile on the face the whole week as a, as a Wazulam, Jake Dickert said after the game, he hopes Cougs everywhere are proud. And oh, I can assure you every Coug is proud after that win. Yeah, man, it was one of those games, you know, the Cougs, always travel well. So all the fans down there, man, I know they had a ball. I know they was loud and crazy. Of course, they was outnumbered. Man, I think that stadium holds about 75,000, something like that. So the Cougs was in enemy territory, and they made it happen, man. I, I could only imagine what that felt like. I know it was a good look. I know it was a good look. So let's just use that to segue here into our second segment. Initial reactions. When you saw that clock hit zero, when, when the game was over, what, what was the first thing that ran through your mind? I got to be honest, man. I wasn't um, – I'm not going to sit up here and say I knew the Cougs was going to come in there and make it happen, but just the shock and the excitement for those young men over there, man. I know what it feels like to go in to a season and not really have the love of the country, right? Uh, of course, there's the East Coast bias thing all the time – they only play football down south in Florida and Texas, right? So we got to deal with that in Washington anyway. But you're thinking about this game, the history of this game, Coach Dickert being from the area, um, you got players that transferred from there. So just the crossover and everything, just the feel-good feeling you get for knocking down the giant, for punching the bully in the mouth, whatever you want to say, I know that's what the Cougs is feeling, man. So I know that the bus ride to the airport was lit. And I know it really went down in Pullman when they got back. Yeah, my uh, my first reaction was, oh, crap, I have to start rewriting everything. Because <laughs> I had, you know, I'd written, I started to write, um, you know, at halftime. I just, at that point, I wasn't confident they were going to be able to score more. We, we weren't seeing a ton of offense. Um, and then as they took the lead, you know, as superstitious as I am, I'm like, oh, I can't rewrite now. It's something bad will happen. Um, so that was my first reaction is quickly rewriting, like, my uh, my story that I submit right when the game ends um for for kookfan.com and then uh my second reaction is i got a call from my dad and he says what the 
just happened. My dad, uh, yeah, yeah. My dad graduated from Wazoo in, uh, in 82 and I probably messed up that year and I'm going to hear about it, but, um, he, uh, so he was watching. He couldn't believe it. Uh, I probably called him 10 times throughout the rest of the weekend and would just say, did we really beat Wisconsin? Um, like it just, it, you kept waiting for, you know, that Wisconsin power game to take over and you started to kind of see it on that last drive they had. Uh, and then, you know, the, the, the first, the interception that turns into a fumble and then the actual fumble. And, you know, it, it felt like a game right out of a Jake Dickert playbook, bend, don't break, bend, don't break. And then finally take advantage. Um, you, you know, for, as a defensive guy, you must've loved what you saw holding Wisconsin to 14 points on the road. Yeah, man, there was a lot going on there. A lot going on. You talked about those fumbles and all that, that went on there. Um, Fumbles and then the fumbles again. You had, um, from the Cougs' perspective, the D lineman <laughs> catches the interception, right? And then I don't know if he was having flashbacks of high school or whatever, but of course he gets the ball knocked out and they give it back to Wisconsin. And then um, you got my man over here, number five, he catches the ball. Or, or no, he comes from out of bounds to knock the ball out of the Wisconsin's uh, defender's hands, man. And that just... It just shows the toughness and the don't quit, all the cliche things that we hear in these high school um, football movies, man, these dudes was doing, man. And again, it's not easy to go in the enemy territory with that type of crowd, that type of history, and to come out with a dub. And to be honest, man, I thought the game was kind of, I mean, it was ugly. That kind of back and forth, the ball was all over the ground. You got... um Cam Ward is kind of getting beaten up a little bit, man. They uh, put three, four, five too many hits on him. But to come out with the dub again is what it's all about. And we got time to fix it now. But now we can say we won the game and get it fixed at the same time. So we're good. Have you ever seen a game in which the defense picks a ball off and then fumbles it back to the offense twice? I've seen it happen once before. Have you ever seen it twice? Never seen it twice. Never seen it twice. I've been around a lot of football, my man. And plays like that, it must have – I just say it was the football guys looking out for the Cougs, man. The Cougs been doing it right. The Cougs been living right. So the favor was coming back, man. It's all good. Yeah, I mean, it was just – it was wild. I just had never seen – I mean, yeah, I'd say, again, I'd seen it happen in a game, you know, but not twice in one game, and especially in a game like that That's that was so close. But, you know, I think the big things to take away are – you know, I, I'll, I'll go back to what the big question was that I had. You know, we already made fun of my terrible prediction of thinking the Cougs would lose. But I didn't think they'd be able to stop uh, Braylon Allen. You you look at what happened last year when they faced top-end running backs, it didn't go so well. You, you look at what B.J. Baylor and Byron Cardwell and Travis Dye and, and Tyler Algier did to him, uh, and then even uh, Lou Nichols for Central Michigan. Well, here's the top-end of all top-end running backs. And I, I just what I loved was Brian Ward's game plan. It felt like last year at times they were so reliant on, you know, the tackles doing everything and they weren't maybe using the edges as much as they probably should. Well, the edges played a huge role in all this. They're getting in there. They're shutting things down. They're kind of collapsing on the ball a little bit. And I think that played a huge role to kind of keep Allen away from those big runs. Their biggest run was 17 yards and it was on a stretch play. Right. Right. I thought Allen, um, I thought he, Played well, but the Cougar defense, just like you said earlier, that bend, uh, that bend, but don't break. Allen 
came into the game and all the hype. But you talk about that offensive line, man. All those guys were, what, 6'6", 6'7", 315 about average. And you look at the speed of the Coover defense, they're not big guys. But you talk about the tackles, man. They 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 held stout. So guys like Henley that play sideline to sideline and play speed, that they can move around, man, and get to those different gaps and make sure – that they was gap sound and that's what they did man that that push in the middle but allen moved around a little bit but didn't get us to the point to where they was killing us yeah there was a whole hell of a lot of uh a difference in the time position right the defense played a lot of downs a lot of downs um close to 100 i think close to 100 but sometimes it has to be like that and for a team like Wisconsin that is all about the run, they never really was able to establish it because all the turnovers was happening and uh, things was happening so fast. And the Cougs was um, Cougs was just making things happen, man, and they would get close down to the goal line, and they just couldn't punch the ball in. So it was a weird kind of game, but it was weird in our way. Uh, uh, Pullman weird is what I call it. I say it was Pullman weird. One guy I want to ask you about in particular, uh, Shaw Smith-Wade. Number six on defense. Two games, three catches for 14 yards. Uh, probably going to be playing number one roles, or uh, the number one role this week if Derek Langford isn't back. As a cornerback, what have you seen maybe in his technique? If you watch him, is there something that really stands out about his game, or does he kind of have his own style that has made him this effective? I think he has his own style, man, and I think the good guys usually do have their own style. They may pick and choose guys they really like and kind of – maybe pattern their game after that a little bit, but this dude is a a tough player that welcomes the competition, steps up, um, steps in on the run, and really just goes in and make things happen, man. And it's really about keeping the deep ball off of you. And sometimes you get a couple PI calls when you're being competitive. I know I was one of those guys in college too. Um, if you can get a little handsy, but if you can correct that, right? You can go back to, to – um, practice and you can get those little things fixed but just the natural athleticism and the paying attention to detail and the technique I watch his technique I watch his eyes I watch his feet and he's usually right on that and that makes a big difference that corner does this win in your eyes make wazoo for real or do we need to see more more proof than two games I think for the fans right now I think it's great right and I think that we can use this momentum but we want to prove it to ourselves, right? Consistency breeds greatness. So we want to come back next week and the week after and continue to put a solid game together. And if you want to be honest, in this game, we didn't play our best football. It was great and we had great spots, but we got to get it consistent on defense. We got to work on um, slowing down the run a little bit and getting off the field. In certain situations, we can't have the defense out there playing uh, too many plays. So it's the yin and the yang, of course, with the offense. Um, the offense has to make sure that they can capitalize and they could uh, keep those drives going. But going back to it again, you get a victory so you can fix all those little things. Do the Cougs have the talent? I would definitely, see, um, I would definitely say yes. Are we exactly where we need to be right now? I don't think so, but I think we can get there. 
Transition now into a third segment of the show, Colorado State Preview. The Rams are 0-2, and it hasn't been pretty for them. A 51-7 loss at the hands of Michigan, a 34-16 loss at the hands, 34-19, excuse me, loss at the hands of Middle Tennessee State. Uh, it hasn't been good. They've given up 16 sacks. Uh, they have not scored the ball particularly well. They haven't really defended. Uh, they're breaking a new coaching staff with Jay Norvell coming over from Nevada, but it has not been good for Colorado State. Hypothetically, and we said this with Idaho as well, hypothetically, this is a game Washington State should probably roll in and that Cam Ward should probably have the fourth quarter off. But there's still the level of going out and executing what does Washington State need to do to not just win this game, but win it convincingly, not have another nail-biter that comes down to the last drive or two? You got to be mature, man. You definitely got to be mature. Teams that you're supposed to wipe the floor with, you got to do that and some, right? And you got you to overdo it. And you got to make sure that there's no life that there's no life left in this team. You got to grab them <laughs> and choke them out, right? And really make it happen. And that's what it comes down to. Um, the Cougs should have a field day. This should be one of those games to where you can get your guys in that don't normally play, work on your depth just in case injuries happen and all that kind of good stuff. But yeah, Cam Ward should not be playing in the fourth quarter. And it, this team has been having a bad time. So let's make it even worse, man. Um, it, there's no reason to be nice, right? Because they wouldn't do it for us. So let's beat them up and let's be done with it. Yo, Colorado State runs the air raid. So there should be some familiarity from Washington State on how to stop this. You know, that's in the past kind of what Norvell did well at Nevada. But the Kooks should know what they're doing against the air raid. They run it kind of variation themselves. Um, when you have a situation like that, where the team runs somewhat of the same offense as you, how does that change the way you prepare? From a coaching standpoint, it might change a little bit because you do have that familiarity. But as a player standpoint, I think you got to approach it the same way, right? You may know, but you still got to go through your keys. And you don't want to be cheating because maybe they're playing for that too. So it's kind of a, a mini chess game probably going on behind the scenes. So if you leave that to the coaches and you let the coaches go through all that, but the players, they need to lock in. They need to read their keys. They need, okay, um, Let's start right here at the line of scrimmage. I'm going to go from the quarterback to the line of scrimmage. Then I'm going to go to my receiver. And you do that. And you just play ball, man. And if you do that, don't try to overdo it or don't try to swing for the fences and uh, cheat, okay? I've seen this play. I think I know what it looks like. So I'm going to go get it. I'm going to get the interception and have all this worked out in your head. Just read your keys. Do it right. And be the better football player. Don't try to cheat your way through it, man. And I think – that we will be just fine. And it'll be a lot of fun to watch. So let's kind of take that and move into segment four. You know, I'm sure over the course of your career, both Cougs and Seahawks, the trap game. Every Everyone knows it. Every coach, every player, every fan knows the word. Coach Dickert actually said this week he doesn't believe in the trap game, but everyone knows about the trap game. How do you avoid everyone, the trap game? Everyone knows about the trap game. Coaches are supposed to say there's no such thing and all this kind of stuff because that's what coaches do. That's what they're uh, paid to do. And that's how you lead, of course. But you don't want to be on the wrong side. Uh, you don't want to be feeling like Wisconsin is feeling right now, right? The, if you got the little old coups coming in here and they slapped you guys around and they made it happen. So 
like I said, you got to be a man about this. You got to approach this in a business-like manner. Starting now, all we can practice. You lock in. If you make sure that you study, if you get back to the dorm, you study. If you get back to your apartment, you study your plays and make sure you're ready to go. Don't take it light. Don't uh, go out and party Thursday, Friday. But if you normally do that, if you keep doing your thing because you got to be consistent in that too, right? But you want to make sure you take care of your business, man. You lock in and don't take anything for granted. I know back in the day that we used to always talk about it in the DB room that if you don't want to be that guy that's going to let their best guy on the lower team take advantage of us because it's really these – the skill positions um, in most teams that are supposed to be a lower tier, they're really good guys, right? So you don't want to be out there getting embarrassed, man. So let's do it for the Coog Nation. I say do it for yourself because everybody's watching film, don't lie. If you got aspirations to go into the league and doing all that kind of stuff, they watching all these little things. How are you competing against an opponent that's supposed to be a lesser opponent? So you got to come in and make it happen, man. And just, uh, just like I said, put your foot on their neck and don't let up. Did you ever fall victim to the trap game while with the Cougs or with the Seahawks? Of course not. I am a <laughs> cons consistent professional, right? Uh, what about the team you were on? Sometimes I felt like that did happen, man. And as a young player, that stats against Idaho, there was, what, maybe two times and I don't know how many years, um, 99, 2000. I was a part of one of those teams, right? that lost to Idaho in the Battle of the Palouse. And like I said on on one of our earlier shows, that was a rough week. That was a rough week. And you have to deal with that all offseason. So if you live with it pretty much for the rest of your life, if you lose to an opponent that you're supposed to beat up, it's not a good feeling. And the question you asked me, um, have I fallen victim? I don't feel like personally I did, but to be a leader on the team, if you let it happen and you let the guys around you and you see them kind of joking around with it, not taking uh, things as serious, and you're just as much as fault. So I would have to say a, a yes or a somewhat, right? Do you have a specific example you remember by any chance or just, just kind of know it happened? Well, I mean, it's kind of like a kind of like an energy thing, right? The, the vibe at practice, like even – going into meetings or going into special teams and stuff like that, all phases of the game, everybody has to be locked in. You got guys that might be walking off the field and practice when they usually jog off the field, or you got guys um, saying things like, okay, I don't have to go as hard in practice because I know I can make that play or just different things like that. That's out of character. If a guy is usually um, going to go balls to the wall, I'm going to really make it happen. Then you got to Keep doing that. You want to grow every week. And I know that Coach Dickert is not going to let none of this happen. I'm just talking in hypotheticals, right, the things that I've seen in the past and things that can happen. And I know this team, with the aspirations to go to the top, they've always they, – I say they've already kind of put up the – put the first – a punch out there or they put the first tester out there by beating Wisconsin. Now, okay, how good can this team really be? Let's, let's grow and let's come together and let's get better. Let's not take a step back. That will move over to our fifth segment. Just kind of talking around the PAC 12 uh, USC beat Stanford in the first game between PAC 12 teams. Are they the best team in the PAC 12 right now? Or do we still not know that? 
I don't think we really know yet, man. I don't think we know. I think a time will tell. And to be honest, man, I um I still like Utah. I like the Cougs, but we really don't know. It's so um it's, it's so early, man. There's so much football to play, and there's so much that we haven't seen yet. I haven't seen enough football to see if people can be consistent. I'm a good guy, or I'm a guy that really looks at the consistency of the offenses of the defenses and what does that really look like to come out now and just say, okay, yeah, they're the best. I think that's a little premature. One thing I think is probably, probably fair to say is that Colorado might be the worst. I mean, <clears throat> we're talking about 2008 Washington levels of bad. Ooh, is that uh, a T Weezy? Is that Tyrone Willingham in them? That's who that is. Okay. Blown out by, uh, by air force this past week. They can't throw the ball. They can't really run the ball. They can't really defend. I mean, this this team is bad, and they don't have the built-in FCS non-conference game. They've got Minnesota this week to wrap up non-con play. And I'm just going to point out, I'm a little more confident saying how bad I think Colorado is because the Cougs don't play them. So this can't blow up in my face this year when, oh, Colorado beats right. Wazoo. Now look what happened. So I, I wouldn't like say it. this is as outright if Colorado is on Wazoo's schedule. But I'm a little more comfortable doing it because the two teams don't play. But, yeah, they are they seem bad. <laughs> the thing about it, man, in the uh, pack and just in football in general, man, I know it's cliche about the any given Sunday or any given Saturday, right? But teams that come out early and play terrible, sometimes there is a little bit of rust there, right? And you never know when teams can kind of catch fire and it can get things going. That's why I don't think it's fair – you have to say, even though you get blown out, it's a way to come back from that if you got the mental side of it. If you can be mature about it, you can tell the truth, you can be honest with yourself, the team can be honest with itself and be like, okay, these are the things we need to fix and let's be better. But I don't know. You know, one thing now, again, we kind of what we talked about a minute ago, is Wazoo a contender in the Pac-12? I think so. I agree. I really think so. I really think so. Especially, um, I think the offense is going to do its thing. And I said this before that the offenses on most teams, when you guys, um, you got, you got new guys coming in, the offense takes a little longer to catch fire or to get caught up. The defense is already rolling and they doing their thing, even though they can get better. But the Cougs are really putting this thing together, man. And I like how these guys play. The linebackers, I really like Henley. I like the reckless abandon out there making it happen, man. And you got the secondary guys. Everybody's hitting, man. The D-line is really making it happen. So I think the Cougs really got a chance. You pack your second, you, you um, pack your special teams, you pack your defense, and you let the offense roll. Moving into our sixth and final segment, uh, we both not only share a love for the Cougs, but for the Seahawks. One of us may have played for them. One of us definitely did not. Uh, Seahawks country, let's ride. <laughs> Opening game win against Russell Wilson and the Broncos. And, we could do a whole show on that, but one thing we want to focus on, the Seahawks take a Cougar for the first time since Marcus Trufant in 2003. Said Cougar become, is an absolute star in his first game. Just one penalty, the fourth highest rated player on pro football focus. We were, of course, talking about Abraham Lucas, who was brilliant in his NFL debut. Uh, did not allow a sack, did give up a couple pressures, but he locked down that right side and protected Geno Smith. Yes, and you talk about Abe Lucas, man, and 
Terrell and John Snyder have said in press conferences that they really didn't expect this from Abe. They thought with him um, coming from a pass-happy, air-raid type of offense, that, of course, his feet was great and his technique was great as far as the passing game. But in his running game, man, this dude gets nasty. He gets dirty. And you just got to love that, especially as the quarterback. I know Geno Smith, you got to take your linemen out to dinner. You got to get them good Christmas gifts because they take care of you. And the offensive line did a hell of a job, man. And that really made Geno look good. And that's the only way the quarterback is going to look good if a guy like Abe Lucas shows up, locks it down, and makes it happen. It was beautiful, man. And that, th that stadium was super loud. I was at the game, man, and my ears are still kind of ringing. It's crazy. That's lucky. I was watching from TV. But, again, liked how it looked and liked how, uh, liked how Abe played. And have to also give a shout-out to Jalen Watson. Had to come in uh, with an injury for the Chiefs. Ends up having a really good game. Gets a pass breakup. Only allows one catch on two targets and 25 snaps in pass coverage. So, a couple of the rookie Cougs. The only two guys that were drafted this year. And they both playing well. Um, but, yeah, hopefully that uh, that's a trend that continues throughout the season. Thank you for listening to True to the Cougs with Jamie Vinnick and Marcus Trufant. Brought to you by Believe Network. Make sure to follow True to the Cougs on Instagram. Uh, check me out on coogfan.com as well. Again, shameless plug. I'm going to do it every week. Just get used to it. Um, and as always, we'll uh, sign off with a little Go Cougs, and hopefully you're going to see a win against Colorado State this week. Go Cougs, baby! Thanks, Evan, for tuning in. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.